Welcome to Plastic Model Mojo, a podcast dedicated to scale modeling, as well as the news and events around the hobby, where we hope to be informative and entertaining and help you keep your modeling mojo alive. back modelers for episode eight of plastic model mojo i hope everyone out there is well given the current world health situation in this covid19 virus pandemic if you are like me i'm sure many of you are spending a lot of time around the house so hopefully your modeling mojo as well and uh, a little hobby activity will get you through all of this Dave and I will be having a conversation about the ups and downs of photo etched details in our special segment so let's have at it Good evening, Mike. How are you doing? Uh, I'm good, given the circumstances. How about you? Yeah, I, I'm doing okay. I guess we're living kind of in uncharted waters here. Uh, I think so, for our generation, for sure. Um, yeah. To everybody listening, if you hear something coming from the background, I got an offspring playing video games about 20 feet from here, so <laughs> he, yeah, he's well, a little they're, excited. They're all, tra- they're all trapped inside, so... Uh, yes we did pretty good today did you and the weather's supposed to be good here toward the end of the week so maybe we'll we have to stay in our yard yeah <laughs> maybe we can go outside yeah we'll see so uh what modeling fluid are you drinking tonight i'm still chipping away at the basil hayden's it's still Ooh. got plenty left in it so haven't moved on yet in a couple of weeks which is good you're clearly not applying yourself well, <laughs> not at bourbon drinking. <laughs> that uh, that's probably if not there's the, still not a the, lot of that place to apply left, You need to work hard. Uh my bottle's yeah, getting a little yeah. light. So, and you know, I posted to the Facebook page that I picked up a, a picked up a backup of Bullet. So I'm good for good for a little while. And what are you what are you drinking? Well, uh, I may have found a new favorite brown liquid. Fellow club member, friend of the podcast, and my longtime friend, Scott Skippy King, uh, for Christmas gave me a bottle of the Balvin 14-year-old single malt scotch Caribbean cask edition. Oh, yeah, uh, that's pretty good. I've actually had that. Oh, my God. Gosh, this is good. Um, it is single malt scotch, which is, of course, God one of God's favorite liquids. Uh, it's 14-year aged. It's finished in rum casks. And so yes. the, the... It's got a nice the, buttery finish on it. Yes, I was going to say the, the distinguishing <laughs> feature of this is that... It has a sweet buttery finish that you don't normally get in a lot of single malt scotches and uh i'm i'm telling you i could i could get used to this this is other than the fact that i know how much it costs and you know uh well, that would put a serious skippy did in. you skippy did you right yeah i know he did i'm telling you um <laughs> i mean this is you you talk christmas presents this is a christmas present uh yeah that's, that's pretty could, good this could put a serious hurt in my modeling budget if this keeps up 
So, but yes, I'm enjoying that. It's about 86 proof. So it's very similar in alcohol content to a mid-range bourbon. Uh, but boy, does it drink well. Well, you're just going to have to make it last till next Christmas and make sure Skippy knows how much he likes it. And maybe he'll repeat <laughs> on you there. Especially if <laughs> he's listening. I'm hoping for. I'm hoping for. Well, we've had a little bit of listener mail since our last episode. By the way, just here's my pitch for everybody listening. If you would, go and rate us on whatever podcast app you're listening on. Give us five stars. Help us gain popularity. The The podcast is growing. The numbers are really good. And so we appreciate what you're doing. Please keep it up. For listener mail this week or this month, this month, this since the last episode, I guess, uh, Luis Diaz is back. He was from Florida and a couple of things. He he actually asked for a bourbon recommendation. So uh, I, I put him onto the bullet. Oh, how long do you have? <laughs> That's a, well, that could be know, a that whole podcast. Bullet's not terribly expensive and it's, it's really good. So yeah, yeah, you, you can't go wrong with that. That is a great introduction to bourbon. So hopefully he likes it. He may decide he doesn't like bourbon, but that's okay. He's going to try. He was also asking about switching from enamels to acrylic paints, and he was asking us about uh, Mission Models paint because we had mentioned it a little bit, but not too much. And uh, I sent him a a link that John Miller had sent me to one of his own uh, write-ups, presentations, I guess, that had some information in it and... I'll have to follow up with Luis and see see how that went. So hopefully he can decide whether that's for him or not. It's just you know it's such a it's such a change from enamels, and it's really a, it's a change from acrylics that you're thinning with some type of lacquer thinner. So yeah, we'll have to see how that goes. I'll be curious to see how his experiences with Mission Models paint. Now I'm. You know, I noticed there's a new Facebook page, so they must have a, they have enough fans that are people are got their own Facebook page about using these paints. I'm, I might need to have to di- I might have to dive into there and uh, see what folks are doing. You you definitely need to post that link on our Facebook page because I was unaware of that. Um, the difference for me between enamels and acrylics is that enamels are kind of idiot proof and me being a giant idiot um it it, you know i find them so easy to use uh you know you don't have to be as conscientious about preparation or about mixing ratios uh uh, enamels just kind of work as long as you've got a minimum level of intelligence whereas the acrylics really seem to take some work sometimes. I'll follow up with him and see how that's going. And if uh, there's uh, more information, I need to go back through John's emails and see maybe if he sent me some other things, but uh, hopefully he gets, gets to a place he likes with that. Uh, Ethan Nidenmilk from San Diego from last time came back and I wanted to mention him again because I actually called him Nathan last time, which is not his correct name. His first name is Ethan, so I apologize for that. But uh, he brought that to my attention, and I told him I would correct it. So there we go. Good. I like to get things right, right, so that was kind of 
kind of left me there a little bit, uh, wishing I'd done a little better, but cause it was probably right in front of me at some point. I just said the wrong thing. You know, you could blame it on the bourbon. Uh, we could, but this is the front end of the episode. So <laughs> hopefully I don't stagger into this. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, a couple more. Um, there's a Rod Kuntz who's written us from, uh, his, he sent me a phone number, which had a Houston, Texas area code. So unless he's moved and taken a phone with him, uh, he's from the Houston, Texas area. And he was looking for a brush recommendation and knew we'd mentioned something. And of course I put him on Zim brushes again, ZEM brushes, and hopefully he'll have a good, have the same experience I had with their mail order side. So yeah, that should be good for him. He was looking for something new to try and, you know, he, he should be able to do that and not spend a whole lot of money. Yeah, no, I, I love them. In fact, I, I picked up a couple of more. Uh, actually, I was ordering something off Amazon and uh, uh, had a gift card. And so rounded up with some Zim brushes, detail brushes. So uh, got those the other day and pretty pleased. And finally, Doug, who we met at the uh, Indianapolis show a couple of weeks ago, has sent me another email and informed us that he's moved ahead with the prototyping of the uh the new modeling tool he's working on and he's asking for help with some field testing so we might actually see that or be able to put somebody uh in the in the club onto that and to give that thing a test drive and give him some feedback so still still being kind of vague about it because you know how it goes but i'll be interested to see it when he's when his latest prototypes up and uh, I'd be interested, you know, I like to see people thinking outside the box as far as uh, new stuff for modeling. Cause that's how we ended up with a lot of the tools that we use today. In addition to these four that I've picked out, uh, you know, we've getting a lot of fun comments on the Facebook page. I appreciate that. When these people posting their, uh, their modeling fluids and things like that. And it's, it's a lot of fun. And yep. I think we've, we, I don't want to say we struck a nerve. That didn't sound quite right, but we've uh, we've hit on a theme here that I think some people are uh, relating to. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And uh, I'm pleased with all the activity on the Facebook page. So uh, speaking of the Facebook page, I noticed that you posted what looked like not only a finished model, but a finished base and figure. So, uh, what's going on? Almost. <laughs> well, the, the PT 76 so, is on a, on a base that the groundwork's all done. I've got the figure mounted and you know, I'm going to print a nameplate on the computer here next few days and slip that one in the display case. All right. Between the, uh, the Vallejo textured earth material and the static grass I bought at the indie show and a few nights of plunking away at it. I got it to where I liked it. You know, I, I even used that Vallejo material as the adhesive to actually attach the model to the base. And mm-hmm. I'm really, really pleased with the way it came out. I think it looks pretty good. Yeah, it does. And I, what, what impresses me is that, uh, you one of the things that I shoot for in every model I build is I try one new at least one new thing, one new technique, one new material, one new something 
to try and, I mean, keep it fresh to improve my skills to do whatever. And the nice thing about your PT is, as far as I know, you did a number of new things, new techniques, new materials, new stuff. And they seem to have worked out well for you. I was about to say, um, I ought to be good for a while if we're going to try one new thing on a project. <laughs> but one new thing, at least so much, one so new much thing. new in the painting of that vehicle. And, you know, I, I think I've got a new way to do basing now. That acrylic material is, is so much better than mixing up the, the paper mache base, clay and painting it and trying to get it to stick to something. And I don't know. I agree. I, I just think, I think it's just, you know, I, I did all that work and I, I just had on a, you know, I had a piece of cardboard I'd cut and I was moving that project on and off the bench and I was using that product instead of this, you know, cellulose stuff we typically use in the past. We were, I was able to, uh, keep the mess contained and, and it just, you know, it was almost like using paint really. Very much so. I, I, as you know, uh, I did that little one inch by one inch test with the material and I'm very impressed with it. I, I think it is very manipulatable. It's uh, it's a whole lot better than cellular clay or some of the other stuff I've seen. So, uh, in fact, I'm about to use it on my vignette uh, base. So uh, this will be my first big time test with it. But uh, it looked good on your base. Well, I'll give you one thing to watch out for, though. Okay. You know, I'd already I'd done a bunch of pre- preliminary work on the groundwork before I attached the model or the or the figure. Yeah. And when I did that, and I was blending the new wet material with the the prior applied stuff that was already dry, um, I tried to really flood it with water and blend those edges out and feather them out so yeah. they'd be not so discernible. When I did that, I think the the texture that's added to that material is like white pumice. Mm-hmm. So when I flooded it kind of with a really wet water and or a really thin material, um, it washed the pigment off away from that white pumice. Oh. So when it dried, there's like a, a white speckly sandy texture to some of the areas. So I had to go back again and make sure I didn't do that. So gotcha. Something, something to watch out for. Okay. Well, good tip. Good tip. Other than that, you know, I'm my little dwarf is coming along. I've got <laughs> right now, literally, I've got scores of Vallejo bottles across my workbench. Yeah. And going on and off the wet palette and just trying to get this thing base coated. And th- this figure is 25 millimeter scale. Yeah. So it's a dwarf. So 25 millimeter is, is 72nd. Grant. Well, about ground to the, to the, to the eyes is the way it's kind of figured. So a dwarf, you know, 25 millimeters for a human is, you know, he's about 18 millimeters. So he's not very big. This, the sculpt, this thing is incredible. I know the photos are on the Facebook page. Really? Really? I just can't hard, hard to believe no bigger than this is how, how much detail it has. So it's, it's a lot of fun. I I really like doing this because, you know, the sky's the limit. I can do whatever I want. If I don't like it, I just repaint yep. it. I'm not held to some paint scheme or time period or anything like that. So yeah. Other other than that, I'm itching to start something new. I I got to work on the 
the zis a little bit and keep the painting moving forward on it. But, you know, I want to start something new and it seems I'm looking at a lot, uh, looking at a lot of things that aren't 35th scale armor or ordnance or, you know, along that vein. Mm-hmm. So, so who knows? Who knows what I'm going to build? Come over to the 72nd scale. We have bourbon. <laughs> All right, Palpatine. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> what about you? What are you working on? Well, uh, as anybody who's followed my blog, or I think I might have even posted it on the PMM Facebook page, uh, I had a... a uh, I lost a good friend uh, a week or so ago, um, and that kind of put a dent in my modeling. Uh, my longtime compressor, 27 years, passed away, and so that kind of put a and put a, a hold on some of my modeling. Now I've still got the MiG-17 going. It's still in construction. Uh, I've got the wings on. Uh, it does look like it's going. It's not going to be a tail sitter, which was the the big question. Could I figure out how to put enough weight in it to keep it from tail sitting? Uh, I think I've succeeded. I've run a test that looks promising, but we won't know until we get it up on the gear. Um, yeah, super glue, super glue will fix that too. <laughs> yeah, well, if nothing else, I can mount it to a base. Um, exactly. Which is what I did with my last MiG-17, the DML kit. It was a tail sitter, so the only thing I could do was glue it to a base. Um, the MiG-17's coming along. I continue to be impressed by the kit. Uh, it's not without flaws, but it's a good kit. Uh uh, now that I have my new compressor, uh, it's uh, I'm starting to to paint some detail stuff, and uh, uh, it'll be ready to prime and and get in toward the finishing stages pretty darn quick from here. Um, the I've got the groundwork base done for the vignette. I have not applied the Vallejo. Uh, base material yet but uh, that's in the very near future so things are at least making progress on my bench not as quickly as I'd like but they're moving forward so I'm happy about that well that's a good segue to what broke your wallet (laughs) oh (laughs) let me tell you what broke my wallet and my wallet got broken hard I've owned a silent air SIL-20A for 27 years. Uh, It is a silent compressor. Uh, It does a great job of keeping the piece in my house. Uh, I can run it late at night when the family's asleep and I'm down in the model room painting. Uh, And just, it's been wonderful. Uh, Well, after 27 years, it finally died. and frankly, the death was probably due to my neglect of uh, some maintenance issues, a.k.a. I didn't drain the air tank as often as I should have of moisture, and it finally rusted through the bottom of the air tank. Uh, so that killed it. Uh, even though I had considered other options, such as a, a 
compressed air tank from, uh, you know, a compressed air company, which a lot of people use. Um, given the, the great service and 27 years that I got out of that uh, compressor, even though it's not cheap, we're talking about 500 bucks. Uh, I went out and bought another one, another Silent Air SLIL20A, uh, and it arrived the other day. Uh, I loaded it up with oil because it's a compressor that where the engine actually uh, sits in a pool of oil, and that's part of what keeps it so quiet um, and helps it run so well. So I, it comes without the oil installed it uh, comes with the oil separately so you have to to load it up once you get it uh, but i loaded it up uh, i attached the product that i owe you a lot of credit for what i call the hydra which is uh, i have four airbrushes uh, connected up to the compressor at any one time and mike helped me many years ago build a uh uh, an attachment for the compressor so that I could have four airbrushes hooked up at once. And uh, yes, yeah, it's the crowning achievement in my engineering career. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure it was your most difficult job. Uh, but uh, it's so I'm hooked up. I airbrushed last night and God, it feels good to be back, even if it did break my wallet pretty darn substantially. So. Uh, <laughs> Top that, Mike. What broke your wallet? Come on. Well, actually, I think I can. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Unfortunately, it's not modeling related. All right. What happened? <laughs> uh, the IRS sent me a letter. Oh, no. <laughs> no good sentence ever came after the IRS sent me a letter. No, I made a stupid mistake on my tax return last year and it's going to cost me about 2700 bucks ow oh my lord you know the part that sucks about it is it was a a clear disparity on the w-2 reported to my wife and what i entered in on my tax documents and they wait till a couple of weeks before your 2019 return is due yet They've charged you all this interest since April 15th of last year. Um, are, are you suggesting that our government might be a little bit like a loan shark? <laughs> Maybe a little bit. Yeah, nothing like an IRS letter to make you a libertarian, as if you weren't already. <laughs> well, <laughs> we know the answer to that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, I've been real good since... Uh, since the Indianapolis show, I've, I've, I've not bought anything right. and I've got my eye on a few things. All right. So I, I think, uh, in between now and the next episode, I will probably have something, something that floats in 72nd scale made by Airfix. Ooh, I know what you're talking. Ooh, I know what he's talking about, but I'll tell you what, we'll tease that and see if, uh, See if anybody else can figure it out. There are actually more than one choice in that regard, but uh, yep. I'll be interested. I'll be interested to see. So it's, you know, another nostalgia build maybe. Yeah. Well, good. Well, good. And you know, if that mini art T34 hits, hits between now and next time. Yeah. We'll, 
have a have an issue on her hands. Assuming the mail's running. Yeah, well, the mail's running, but uh, not everywhere. It's not you. You and I may have some time to model these next week or two. Yeah, we might. Yeah, it's getting a little dicey, man. I'm telling you, fingers crossed. We made a little joke last time about photo etch. Yes, people seem to like that. I guess so. So tonight's special segment, photo etch, love it or loathe it. <laughs> Mike and I have discussed this once or twice in our uh, long friendship, and uh, we yeah, have once or twice. <laughs> we we have strong opinions when it comes to photo etch. Uh, and they're probably not going to get us an Edward sponsorship anytime soon. So why don't I don't you know. why don't you start, Mike? <laughs> well, I I expanded my show outline a little bit, and uh, to to go back probably till I'm trying to think when myself as an armor modeler first first encountered this wondrous creation. Nineteen eighties. <laughs> Yeah, it's the 1980s, and f- for armor, it was you know a little ad and fine scale modeler by an on the mark on the mark models. I remember him. Uh, I want to say he was out in Colorado. Yep. And there was a few others. There was Airwaves out of the UK. It was another early one on the armor side. Probably maybe the aircraft too. Oh yes, definitely. Um, and to this day, some of the best photo etch out there, and probably some of the worst too. Well, uh, armor. <laughs> There, there were some fit issues, but uh, it it had a number of advantages, but uh, uh, including the the metals that it was made in and the fact that it was not utterly two dimensional. Yes. So, which is one of our beefs, but we, we'll get yeah. to that. Um, <laughs> you know, I, a bullet here on on my outline is first experience, and for me. My first experience was with on the mark models, and it was a uh, a set for the a T thirty four surprise. surprise. <laughs> on the mark models is Mark. Uh, gosh, what's his last name? Mark Perchetti. Mark, Mark Perchetti, which and I think he's passed away. I believe. Uh, maybe. I, I, I know, know. His, his wife Eileen still does stuff for IPMS USA. Oh, okay, well that would explain that. That that was my that was my thought was that his wife was still doing IPMS stuff so it made me think that he was still yeah. with us but that's uh, we'll talk about that later. I used this on a T thirty four kit I was building at the time was at the time I was building the Tamiya kit was the only only T thirty four kit and like a lot of modelers I think that the first experience with this stuff is traumatic. Traumatic, yeah, that's a good word. Because at my point, my modeling skills weren't bad, but they weren't they weren't what they are now. And it was a big, it was a lot to bite off, really. And some of the pitfalls I experienced in in using this for the first time was it. God, the stuff just seemed to have an aversion to uh, CA glue. Yeah. Except when I was trying to, well, it had an aversion to CA glue when I was trying to put it where I wanted it. <laughs> Any it, other time, it seemed to glue itself fine to whatever was next next to it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> and well, then the other issue, the other issue I experienced with that project, it was the old school weathering, the, the old paint wash dry brush. Yeah. So dry brush and photo etch 
don't go together. Do not go together. No, not very well at all. It is it is not robust to being d- dragged on by a dry brush. Big yep. surprise there, right? Right. But in the end, I prevailed of sorts. I guess it it all ended up okay. I probably could have done a better job on some of it, but uh, I learned a lot. I'll say that. What about you? What's well, your first uh, uh, first uh, foray into photo etch? Uh, my first foray into photo etch probably had to do with, uh, it might have been Edward. Uh, it might have, I don't think it was Airwaves, although I've used some Airwaves over the years. And, and to be frank, it's my favorite uh, photo etch company for a number of reasons. Um, it was probably a cockpit, uh, probably an instrument panel, which uh, in photo etch, you usually got these multi-part uh, sandwich photo etch panels that you could uh, sandwich clear acetate in between two pieces of photo etch. Uh, to get a, a instrument panel that looked much better than a, a decal or um, whatever was plastic part was in the kit. Uh, the big problems is the big problems are it a lot of times didn't fit. Uh, it's clearly now been superseded by these Yahoo panels, uh, and I think Edward's doing them now. These uh, photorealistic uh, 3D printed, I think, um, uh, instrument panels that frankly make make photo etch panels uh, um, just irrelevant now. Um, like you, uh, it, getting photo etch to glue down, uh, it took me years to finally come upon the the trick of using future uh, a wet dab of future as a a, a, pl- a way to position photo etch and then let it dry and then come back with ca uh, after the future had dried um, but yeah for some reason uh, photo etch just never wanted to stick where you put the ca but once you got the ca on it it was going to stick somewhere and usually somewhere you didn't want. Uh, <laughs> my, my biggest pet peeve with a lot of photo action, I know you and I've talked about it is the fact that the producers produce a lot of photo etch that they want you to use by cutting off detail on the kit and replacing it with photo etch detail. And, and sometimes that's an improvement, but a lot of times, ultimately, the, the photo etch part they're having you replace it with isn't really that much of an improvement over the injection molded detail, particularly now as injection molding gets so much better. Well, I think that's, that's really true with a lot of the earlier photo etch sets. Um, you know, once you get past the two really what I would call the the pioneer ones for scale modeling, you know, the on the mark and the airwave, I think were the two first ones 
that that I know of. Yeah, well, and then there um, was a th- com- there was a company called Photocut. Yes, there was Photocut, but Photocut actually started in the model railroad genre. Yes, I know. And that's a whole different ball of wax there, but you know, it wasn't long before Edward came along and they've gotten a lot better leaps quantum leap really um <laughs> it, it it i want to go back to the my uh the su76 i built years ago and there was some photo etch made for it there was an edward set yeah and the the, the photo etch was just etch metal duplication you know thinner obviously because it's not plastic but photo etch duplication of the kit parts and some of the kit parts they were replicating weren't even close to the real thing. So and they weren't I, correcting. I, they were just replacing. They were, yeah, they weren't correcting. They were just replacing. And, you know, I, you've, you've seen that model. Yeah. <laughs> Now there's some photo etch sets for the for the later kits, the mini art and the Tamiya version of that kit that that basically have photo etch versions of what I ended up building from scratch almost. But the the ammo the ammo storage lockers or racks or what I'm thinking of the the ones in the in yeah. the uh, Allen kit were horrible, not even close to the real thing, and the Edward ones were just duplicates of those only in you know, a third of the thickness or a quarter of the thickness because they were photo etch. And he's got all these details that were in these early sets that weren't really, they weren't really improving a whole lot. They weren't, they weren't more accurate. They may have been thinner, but they weren't necessarily more accurate. But I think, I think now things have come a a long way from there. Oh, I, I, I think that's true. I think Edward probably has gotten more, uh, conscientious, paid more attention uh, particularly as as the company has grown, um, my biggest, my single biggest complaint about Edward Photo Etch is the material. Um, the that I guess it's some sort of nickel or stainless steel. I don't know. It's some sort of silver metal, and I just find it so much more difficult, even after annealing, so much more difficult to work with than etched brass, which is what the early photo etch sets almost all were, was etched brass. And brass just is so much easier to fold and manipulate and and utilize that... uh, it's rare that I will utilize an Edward photo etch set much at all because of that. I've not, I've not used an Edward set in a while. And I'm trying to think if I got an upcoming project where I might, yeah, I probably do. I've got stacks of it. You know, I, I sit here and gripe about it, but we've gotten to the point now where a lot of it is a lot better than what's in the kit, but yeah. Are you going to use it all? I don't know. That is the other thing. No, you and I have talked about any photo etch set, um, you know, 
there's some stuff that, uh, yes, it is an improvement. And yeah, it really does make the kid a lot look better. And then there's a lot of stuff that's just ridiculous to use, either because it's a two-dimensional representation of a three-dimensional item, or it's no better than what's already on the kit. Um, again, uh, you know, I'm I'm trashing any ability we've got to get a, a Sp- Edward sponsorship, but to me, <laughs> the biggest wastes out there are these. Edward Big Ed sets where they give you, they charge you $50 for three or four photo etch sets, you know, an interior set, an exterior set, a, uh, a gear base set, uh, uh, you know, and I just cannot imagine. Now, I want to stop and say there are some wizards out there, okay? There are guys who you know, they've sold their soul to the devil or, you know, they've got some, <laughs> they've got some deal with somebody going on because they can do things with photo etch that I can't do. Uh, and I don't think any normal human can do. Uh, there are masters out there, but for the average Joe modeler, a lot of that stuff in those big ed sets is something you're never going to use. I don't think in all my years I've ever used even 50% of a photo etch set. I don't know about you. I do I do tend to pick and choose as well because of the things we've talked about. Some of it makes sense. Some of it's brilliant, right? But and then some things yeah. are just it's just not it's not better. It's different. Yeah. It's thinner, but that's about it. And 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 it's usually like you said, it's something that's three-dimensional and maybe the kit part is not so good, but it's three-dimensional and the photo it said has this representation of it. That's two-dimensional. Well, it's not really two-dimensional, but in practice it is because it yeah. really has, has minimal thickness when it should have some and the paint buildup can fix some of that, but not always. You know, yeah. photo etch, I think, is a is a really a boon for like one three fiftieth and one seven hundredth scale ship modelers for sure. Because absolutely, there's details there that you just you there's just no other way to do them really. Yeah, and that's where some uh, of the wizards are. If if you're out there uh, looking absolutely. online, some of these guys are just absolute. With some of these ship modelers with these radars and the. And, they do some stuff that I couldn't do on my best day with a 20, you know, with a 20 minute head start. <laughs> well, you know, another, another aspect of this is that a lot of kits now are including some of this, you know, two to come to my mind, be an armor modeler or a dragon and, and trumpeter. Now, yeah. some of this stuff, the dragon stuff, I think is, is, is okay. It's usually brass and it's pretty soft and, I've had pretty good luck with it. Now I just finished this trumpeter PT 76. Now here's a little tidbit about that kit. You know, I, I wanted to build that as out of the box and I, I, I ended up abandoning that on the tracks because the rubber band tracks were terrible. Then I went to the trumpeter individual plastic links and they were terrible. So I went with full tracks on the PT 76 
Um, but I did not put an aftermarket photo etch set on that kit. Trumpeter had an etch fret that included, well, a couple, and it included the the intake screens, which were fine. They were okay. But they also included the the, the wire baskets over the, the headlight clusters on the right and left side of the front hull. And... <laughs> They were terrible. I mean, to be honest, the, the, even after annealing, if you if you formed them and then had to tweak them at all after you formed them the first time, they were going to break. So the headlight baskets that are on that PT-76 are the third fret that I used. Wow. I broke, I broke the kit set. The uncle, our friend in the club, provided me a set from his kit and then uh, another member of the club provided me yet a third set from their kit and I, the third time was a charm I, I finally got them formed the way i wanted them without breaking them and got them on and this is actually after i heated them up cherry hot with a with a little butane torch i've got and yeah. tried to soften them up and they still just they break they fracture at the bends and it was <laughs> very, very frustrating. Yeah. Well, A, you've got a lot of good modeling friends in the club. And B, no doubt. yeah, that's, that is my experience with, it's probably the, sing, well, I don't want to say the single most frustrating, one of the most frustrating things in modeling is dealing with photo edge. Now, sometimes it's necessary on that, uh, 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 Oka that I finished, uh, Brengan sells a separate photo etch set for it. And I bought it because it has some things that you really do need. Like the, the big ones are the ring and bead site that the uh, Oka had. There's really no other way to reproduce that. It's, it's too fine in 72nd scale to be done in plastic. Uh, and if it's not there, you do notice it because that's a, a feature that's kind of noticeable. But they also, on that same fret, tried to do the mass balances in photo etch. And you just, it didn't work. First of all, it's a two-dimensional representation of a three-dimensional item. Secondly, they were so freaking tiny that <laughs> there was there was no way to fold them and get them to retain any semblance of, of their shape. Um, so ultimately I didn't use those, but you know, that's a perfect summation of, of photo etch. I had the fret. I used some parts. They really did improve the model, but some of the other parts, just a complete waste of everything. Well, you mentioned not being able to fold it. So yeah, that gets me to the next bullet on my outline is kind of the, the techniques. And in, in the, under this techniques bullet, I've got kind of tools and adhesive and then solder. And, you know, there's another technique I saw on a YouTube video this, this past week that was really interesting, but let's start with the, the, the tools. I, the pitfalls I experienced with my first ex first uh, 
first foray into into photo etch was that there weren't any specialized tools. So you were bending them with pliers or tweezers. And sometimes that worked and sometimes it didn't. It just depended on the part. So myself, I've got two of the uh, hold and fold branded PE tools from small shop is what I use. I've got a short little four inch one and I've got a longer one. That's about six to eight inches long. I think. What about you? What do you use? I've got the two most important things for photo etch manipulation for me is the hold and fold. uh, And I, I've got an original hold and fold. And then I've got a pair of, flat flat uh pliers the the uh plier part is just two flat pieces of metal and you can use that by gripping whatever you're going to fold in that pinning the part down and with a, a, a pair of tweezers or something else and then bending the part using that set of pliers. Uh, I've, I've done some folding with very fine pointed tweezers of very small parts, but to be honest with you, I find most small part photo etch so frustrating that it, at least for me, I do not have the skill. Like I said, there are guys out there folding up 700 scale radars And they do jobs that are amazing, but I can't do that. But yeah, you've got to have a folding tool and some pliers or tweezers that are uh, flat nosed in order to do photo etch manipulation. Now, another, another thing that uh, is worth mentioning is, is getting these parts off the frets. Uh, Uh, one, one thing I recommend is you got to have something rigid under it. You you really can't cut these off off while on top of your, like your self healing mat or, you know, a block of wood or whatever. It's, it really needs to be rigid and and give you, you know, almost complete pushback while you're trying to cut it, cut this off. So, you know, you, you may have one, but when, when I ordered these, holding folds from small shop they sent this uh these little squares of acrylic black acrylic yeah. and this little plexiglass or lexan um second piece to actually hold the part down from the top side against the bottom which was the black acrylic and you can cut against something rigid really really yeah. important because if you don't you just you're just going to bend it on the fret before you ever get it off yeah i use I, I go to Lowe's and I get tile samples, which, frankly, though they either sell very cheaply or they give you for free. <laughs> and mar- marble tile samples are fantastic as a super rigid surface against which to cut photo etch. Now, my big tip on that is if you are cutting photo etch, you need to take either some double-sided tape or some... Um, or some, some like to me, a yellow tape and fold it double and stick your photo etch fret to it on your cutting surface so that when you cut it, 
it doesn't go flying off into space. I cannot tell you over the years how many uh, pieces of photo etch I launched into orbit uh, by cutting it on a surface, thinking I was holding it down and, and going to keep it pinned down and ping off into the universe. Now, I've got another tool that unfortunately is not being made anymore, but I'm going to mention it because if, if somebody can find one who's an armor modeler, it's, it's really worth seeking out. Um, there was a company called Auswerk Design. It's mm-hmm. in the Uni- It was in the United States, and they had a tool called the Fender Bender. And the Fender Bender was a... I'm looking at it right now. It's six about six inches long the working surface mm-hmm. and it it clamps down with a you know a finger plate or if you turn it around a, a continuous edge just like the holding folds or any of these other uh pe tools that are out there available but this thing works just like a machine shop bending break in that the entire work surface bends 90 degrees you don't have to slip a razor blade under it and fold the part. So what this thing allows you to do is where I've used this is like a, a Panzer three fender where you've got the turned down edge on it that runs the entire length right. of the, of the fender. You can put that entire six inch piece of photo etch in here and bend that edge with one motion. And that way you Whereas get a nice it, continuous bend. Right, because if you try to do it an inch at a time, it'd be all wavy, right? You wouldn't be able to get it right. right. But I'll I'll post pictures of this. This company's not in business anymore, and I I was lucky lucky to get this when I did, and I've not used it that much. I've used it on one project, but somebody needs to revisit this. I think they also had some really cool t-shirts but <laughs> that's got nothing to do with photo etch <laughs> some entrepreneur well i mentioned earlier uh as far as it adhe- adhe- adhering photo etch um for years my next I bullet struggled. by the way well see i'm good i'm that good <laughs> um i struggled for years with ca and and with white glue and with And I don't know, it was somewhere online and I would love if I could remember or identify the first person I read who mentioned this, I would, I'd give you a shout out in the shout out of the episode, but uh, uh, somebody somewhere mentioned using future to apply photo etch by taking and putting a dot of future only where you wanted the part right there, then you could put the photo etch part down, move it, adjust it, then let the future dry. And then, so the the photo etch at that point is weakly attached to the model just by the, the dried future. And then going back with, you know, thin, thin super glue or whatever your adhesive of choice is to give it a more permanent bond. But since I, I learned that little trick, it has really helped my my placement of photo etch on, on models. Yeah, that's interesting. I'll have to try that. One, one thing I've done in the past is Ever, Evergreen makes that five thousandths of an inch styrene. Yep. 
which is really just whisper thin, really. And there's been, there's been instance, instances where I've actually attached the photo etch to that styrene sheet and then cut it out. Mm-hmm. Atta- attach the photo etch to that with like CA where I, where the placement was not precise. I could just stick right. it on there anywhere and then cut it out and then actually glue that to the model with regular liquid model cement. Mm-hmm. But and you basically know, that, the evergreen melts away pretty much that that's not going to work yeah. with everything, but that's 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 one consideration you can have. Um, yeah. A, another one you're familiar with, I'm sure, is Gator's Grip, the yeah the acrylic, which is kind of the same thing as well. It's not the same thing, but it's it's similar to your your future trick. It's, it's probably a little bit better bond. Right. But you know that's that's the primary marketing angle for that stuff is is photo etch. Yeah. And yeah. he's got a, he's got a, he's. He's got a thin version now too, so there's two thicknesses two thicknesses of that adhesive available now. Yeah, I've got the thick version. I don't have the new thinner version. Have you soldered much? No, but uh we have in in the club uh, uh a member who does, among other things, three fiftieth and seven hundred scale ships, and his background, he taught soldering for, um, I think he said on and off for like 30 years uh, in the electronics assembly um, uh, arena. And he did a seminar about, I guess, maybe October or November of last year at the club meeting um, and showed us his techniques for, for folding like tripod masks and and soldering the joints and clearly if you are folding and assembling a part like you're you're folding a piece of photo etch into a box or a tripod mast into the tripod mat triangle mast form if you can if you can solder it clearly is the best way to go because once you fold it and put it together and solder it, if you can do it very cleanly, which this guy could because he's, you know, very talented at it and has a lot of experience, nothing looks better than that. Now, I've not tried that, and I think I'm going to here in the near future, but I saw something on YouTube that was really interesting here recently. Uh, It was one of... Uh, Uncle Night Shift's tricks. Which was? Which was, he seems to favor this black tinted CA adhesive. Yep. And one of my biggest, one one of my biggest beefs with this is if you over glue it, you got a, you got a mess. It's really hard to clean up because the stuff dries so hard, right? Right. So, so what he's doing is he's using his black CA to glue these parts onto his model because it's the black CA. He can see it. He can see all the overage that he's applied and he's not really giving a crap because he's going back with a brush and debonder and removing all that excess. Yeah. And I was, I saw that and I was like, son of a gun. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm not sure that's exactly what you said, but we, we it's don't probably want to not. But it. yeah, I, I I've got to give that a try because that that has been one of the biggest reasons that make me hesitate on photo edge is getting excess CA out there that I can't get off. Yeah. Without ruining the piece of photo etch that you attach. Yeah. Without ruining it. So I'm going to give it, I'm going to give this a try now. Th- yeah. Well, th- the black, the black CA really helps because you can see it. Right. So if you're using a clear CA, it's a little harder to, you know, see where you've got some errant super glue on there, but I got to give that a try. That, that, that looked like a really, really slick way to go and, and to really take some of the thinking, the overthinking out of it, which is, t- tends to be my problem sometimes. Well, uh, an engineer overthinking? Who ever heard uh, of such a thing? Who to believe? Uh, yeah, really. Well, I was going to say, uh, as to that black CA glue, uh, I saw, obviously, the same video you did and had the same smack my forehead moment. Uh, and I picked some up on Amazon. And it is, uh, the version I got is not rubber infused, which some of the black CAs are. It is just super glue that's been tinted black i assume with some sort of food coloring uh or well we, we used to use a black color. a black product from uh loctite at, at in the lab yep. at work all the time yeah and uh it real i mean i, I was the same as you is i've got to try that because yeah that is the big thing about about photo etch is cleaning up the excess well in closing on the photo etch segment here, <laughs> I found something online that was really interesting. You know, we, we've got the, the few parts that come with some of the kits and we've got these really exhaustive uh, sets from like Edward and, and others that are out there that really include a lot of stuff that you may or may not use. But if you really dig photo etch and it's your thing and you're, you can just, slam dunk it every time and you you got the game to pull it off there is a company called jasmine models out of japan that makes i can't remember the scale they're either 72nd scale or 48th scale but they are complete skin off airplanes yep that are that are entirely well, they're not entirely. The, the The engines and the pilot seat and stuff like that are cast metal. But every strut, every wing spar, every cross-section bulkhead, everything that's on the real aircraft with all the lightning holes and everything. This is what these kits are. Have you seen these? Yes, I have. Uh, as a matter <laughs> of fact, many years ago... Um, Club member Mark Cable, his wife, asked me to get him get one of those for him for his birthday. Uh, it was, I think, the Spirit of St. Louis. Um, and I actually ordered it off Hobby Link Japan. But, uh, yeah, they, these things are amazing. And now there's companies doing more popular versions of that for the general public. They've got the Eiffel Tower and all sorts of... Um, you know, monuments. Well, that's the and, that's the metal craft stuff at the cash register at Hobbytown. Right. Yeah. This is a this is a BF one hundred and nine with yes. the skin off. Yep. With 
with every cross section of the wing, all the oh, way yeah. to the wingtip. Every yeah, it's just amazing. It's insane. Not for me. Not for me no. at all. <laughs> it's beautiful to look at. Once it's it done. Beautiful to look at. Yeah. And and the guy's in an insane asylum somewhere. Yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know. As we said in the last episode, Photo Etch is our drunk friend who uh, you like to go out with, and uh, they're going to get you in trouble sometimes. So, <laughs> any, exactly. And anybody out there who's listened to this episode, if you've got hints, tips, suggestions, stuff that works for you, stuff that we've mentioned that you've tried and it didn't work, whatever. This is an area where I would love to hear from listeners and give us your hints, tips, and tricks. Absolutely. So, uh, Mike, I think we've beat Photo Etch to death, or it's beat us to death, depending. Uh, yeah, maybe. So, uh, who are you going to uh, give your shout-out to this week? I'm going to give our shout-out to our fellow podcasters in Canada and our fellow podcasters in Australia at scale model podcast. That would be Stuart and Anthony and on the bench. And that would be Dave, Ian and Julian who Julian just had a COVID-19 scare. So he wasn't participating in their last episode Yeah, as a courtesy to his friends. And, you know, everybody's pumping out the content and, crap man if, if i get furloughed for a little while we may go weekly on this <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you what uh, modelers may be the only only people to survive this epidemic because let's we, face it we've been practicing social distancing and isolation for 20 30 years that's right you know so far this thing's starting to look like the first 20 minutes of every zombie movie i ever watched that's right so Let's hope my not, shout outs, but... my, my shout outs are to all those guys who are still kicking out the content and uh, hanging in there. And, you know, Dave down in Australia is in emergency services in some degree. I'm not sure if it's just fire service or if it's, uh, he'll have to clear that up for me via email, hopefully. And, but you know, he may have to be in the thick of this somehow. And my thoughts are certainly yeah. out to him if he's got to do that, because who knows where this is going. We're, we're certainly off the map. Uncharted territory. Here there be dragons. Uh, well, my shout out this month is to uh, uh, Silent Air, the company that makes silent compressors. Uh, I got to say, I loved the one I had for 27 years. I loved it enough that when it died, I went out and bought another one. Uh, I actually sent them a <laughs> I thought you were going to say you went out and buried it. No, no, I did not. I actually have thought about that. I've got it here. And, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, it's enough of a friend that it feels like I ought to take it out and bury it in the backyard next to the pets. Um, but, you know, in this day and age of crap manufacturing, uh, it's nice to see somebody who builds a product that lasts that's well engineered well made uh and and works and lasts and boy 
I got to give them credit. It does. Their their products, I, I highly endorse them. I, you know, expensive as all expensive as all get out, but really, really fantastic products. So, my shout out is to Silent Air, and if they want to throw me a free compressor, hey, that would be great. But I already bought one, so well, you just gave it to me. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I can recommend this for you. I was hoping maybe to take get your old one, maybe fix it, but it sounds like it's pretty much toast. No, actually, well, actually, Mike, you and I'll have to talk about that a little bit off air because I think I think you can, and I'm if I could weld, I could you. fix it exactly. And it's not even as hard as you think it would be because of the way they've manufactured it. So you and I'll talk about that off air. I, I may well do that. <laughs> All right. Well, I don't know if it'll be in two weeks from now, but in or one week from now. But until next time, Dave, there's just so many kits. And so little time, Mike. You take care. All right. Good night. Good night.